Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. That was 60 minutes at its finest, and I mean that. Y'all absolutely tore him up in the second half. O-line, way to get after the... Great job, right? Great team win. Great team win in all three phases. We know, right? Team, team wins come in all shapes and sizes. Team wins. Team wins come in all shapes and sizes, right? We know that. We got us a team. We're going to do something, right? But we know the formula. We got to do it one week at a time. We talked last night about all the different ways that you can go win football games. And the bottom line, as we said, with the human beings and the people we have in this room, the competitors we have in this room, all right, we can pick each other up at any point in time. Games can swing back and forth all day long. All right, but defense, first and foremost, you guys were our backbone today. Well, here we are on a Monday morning, PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more at googlestore.com. I'm back in the studio here. No sign of Chris Sims, although there's always a chance that he's going to come swooping in unexpectedly and put that giant meat hook on top of my head and just squeeze it like a grape. Hopefully that won't be happening over the course of the next two hours. Miles Simmons joining me live, 4 a.m. local time. Thanks and welcome, as always, to you, Miles. Six weeks in. Well, we got one more game tonight. Broncos country, let's ride. But six weeks in with one game to play. I still don't know whether we really have a sense of where this is all heading, and I like it. But we're starting to see at least a little, I think, a little separation top and bottom in the NFL. Yeah, we, we are. And frankly, I mean, the two best teams in the league, I think, played yesterday. And I don't mean the Eagles and the Cowboys. And then you've got probably what's the third best team in the league won and stayed undefeated. But we'll see how this thing continues to shake out. I will be in attendance tonight at, at SoFi Stadium to see the people riding and those Broncos, and we'll see if, you know, some more horses need to go to the glue factory, and if uh-huh. Brandon Staley makes another fourth four down mistake. Yeah, I had to sneak it in there. Well, you know, th- there is a fascination 
about the Denver Broncos. And this is more of a Monday night preview than you ever get on this show. But it's since true. We're, since we're in the neighborhood and since Miles is going to be there in person, it's a morbid kind of rubbernecking you can't look away from whatever it is and how much of it is Russell Wilson and the shoulder being some sort of a calculated Rodney Dangerfield, ooh, my arm, it's broken excuse. How much of it is Nathaniel Hackett is so far over his skis, he doesn't even know he has skis on. It's all fascinating, and it comes up against a team that is very good but has this horrible habit of deliberately shooting itself in the foot and thinking it's not going to hit a toe. Very good, I think, is a bit of an overstatement if we're going to talk about the Los Angeles Chargers. Potential to be very good. Potential to be very good. Sure, yes. I mean, they have a very good quarterback. And for all the things we say about Justin Herbert and how good he's played, and this is not necessarily a knock on him, that team has not won enough. Right. Even when he was a rookie, they weren't winning enough. You know, you go into that second year and he gets Brandon Staley. They don't win enough. They they have these horrible, you know, dropout performances when they don't need them, like going to Houston last year and losing to that team. A couple weeks ago, they lose to Jacksonville at home here in Los Angeles. So I'm curious to see how they're going to perform tonight. But this is a team that they really ought to beat. Because the Denver Broncos, quite frankly, have not shown an ability to score points. And if you are the Los Angeles Chargers, you have. So we'll see what happens tonight. And that is your Monday night preview presented by Elmer's Glue, the only glue made of (laughs) aging NFL quarterbacks. All right, uh, let's get to it. No aging quarterbacks on Sunday night in Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts taking on Cooper Rush as the Cowboys try to squeeze just one more game out of their backup before they put the ball back in the hands of Dak Prescott. Prescott obviously says he would have been able to play last night. He probably thinks he would have been able to play week two, only six days after surgery to repair the broken bone in his thumb. I love that confidence that crosses over into delusion. That's the way you have to be to thrive in the NFL. The Eagles with the 20 to nothing lead. And then it felt for a while like I was going to be, the lone wolf, I, I well, I was, that I was going to yeah, be vindicated were. by the Dallas Cowboys, that maybe I'd get a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue directly from Jerry Jones' <laughs> private stash as the reward, but it was not to be. The Eagles, no. to their credit, and this is the hardest thing to do. We really didn't need to see that. I just said it, but there it is. There's the photographic proof, me down in the corner, all alone, and uh yeah but you know what you know what if i hadn't taken that bullet and it had been eagles all the way across the cowboys would have won and we all would have looked like fools so you're welcome everybody else whose name was on that including america because Uh if it had been all eagles you know that cosmically it would have ended up manifesting itself in the cowboys completing what they started and I i gotta give the eagles credit Because you can win different ways, as we heard Kevin O'Connell say at the top of the show in relation to the Vikings. But for the Eagles, to be up 20 to nothing and to feel that it's falling apart, the momentum completely swung in the direction of the Cowboys. To hold it together, put it together, and take it down the field and score the touchdown that put the Eagles up by nine and essentially slammed the door. I know it wasn't over-over at that point, 
but that ended that sense of, oh, no, here come the Cowboys. It's going to be 31-20 before we know it. That was a great drive where they just kind of calmed down and they forgot that it was all falling apart and they focused on the task at hand. And it's not the easiest thing to do when you feel like you've gotten to a point in the game where you can't do anything right. It all falling apart seems like a little bit strong, Mike. I mean, it was not going well for the Philadelphia Eagles in the second half, sure. But that's kind of the type of games that they've played, right? I mean, even last week, you look at what the Arizona Cardinals were able to do to get themselves back in it in the second half. And frankly, they should have been able to tie it if they had a kicker other than Matt Amendola, who frankly, I'm not sure why they turned to him for a second consecutive week. But Matt Amendola catching a stray, but go ahead. Well, yes, you I never know, know who's going to catch a stray on Monday morning. I did not have really Matt Amendola don't. on the bingo card. Well, sometimes, you know what? People just, they come up in my mind and that's exactly what had to happen right there. But you know what? The Eagles, I mean, we keep talking about them as this most complete team right now. And I don't know if I look at the, the Chiefs and Bills game, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, and I still feel like those two teams are actually very complete. But if you look at the NFC, yes, this is the best team right now in the National Football Conference. Oh, Christ. That's, is that actually what it's called? Is, yes. Geez. Yeah. Yes, it why, is. Why do you All got right. a problem with that? Well, I mean, you see, you, I don't know. You correctly I identified just, it. It was just a weird brain thing that just it felt very wrong in the moment. And, you know, you said a couple weeks ago that even if something feels wrong, I got to just push through it. So yes, I should have done that. Yes, yeah, I know. You should. Regardless, the Eagles look great and they are a great team. And when you have a two receivers like A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and they are making plays as they did on that drive that you were talking about, it makes you very hard to beat, right? Because those two guys are at the cusp of elite. You know, I don't know if I want to call them elite receivers quite yet, but I don't also don't know if there's two other receivers that I would rather have than those two guys based on their combination of speed, physicality, what they can do, the plays they've proven that they can make. So Jalen Hurts and those two dudes, it's hard to beat them when they have things going and they have things rolling like they did on that drive. And the way that I was selling our game, Eagles-Cowboys – pitting number one versus number four in the all-important and always binding PFT power rankings was to say, hey, look, Chiefs-Bills, we know both teams are great. Eagles-Cowboys, <laughs> we don't really know. And especially okay. with the Eagles. Like Demarcus Lawrence said last week, we don't know how good Jalen Hurts is because he hasn't faced the Cowboys yet. So the Eagles get the victory. They move to 6-0, and which is incredibly difficult to do in the NFL to win six and lose zero. Whether it's middle of season, end of season, start of season, six in a row is difficult. The teams are packed together. So we've seen different ways to win. We've seen grit. We've seen toughness. We've seen resilience by the Eagles. And now we see they're six and oh for the first time in 18 years when they made it to the Super Bowl with a receiver for whom they treated. And it worked out pretty damn well that year and that year only with Terrell Owens. Now we have A.J. Brown. Brown not having that same tremendous statistical impact, but they don't need him to. They're still 6-0, and and they made it to the Super Bowl that year and obviously came up short against the New England Patriots. But this is a very good Eagles team, and they're five years removed from their own Super Bowl win, but the team is completely different, and the bottom line is, Miles, they're winning. And they're winning because they're balanced. There are few teams in the NFL now 
that have ballots. It starts with the lines, great offensive and defensive lines, and then the back end on the defense is great, and the skill position players are great, and Jalen Hurts is a franchise quarterback. At least he's becoming one before our eyes. I know he's not going to be Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, but he's going to be good enough. You don't have to be those guys when you have the rest of the team because those guys allow you to to go a little bit cheaper and maybe make some mistakes with your draft picks elsewhere because they're always going to bail you out. You don't need to be bailed out by the quarterback when you're solid across the board, and that's what the Eagles are. Oh, but it's, I mean, you, you put it that way. It's kind of the same way that the Eagles were built in 2017, although with very different players, except for the guys that are still there. We are talking about the Jason Kelsey's of the world, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox. Those, those guys are still there, but you have right now what's a very good offensive line and they lost two really real big starters for them the left tackle and their right tackle and they were still able to compete obviously lane johnson going out really changed the game and the complexion of that thing in the second half for the dallas cowboys where they were able to start generating some more pressure with micah parsons because when we look when your right tackle who is as good as johnson is is not there then that is going to make a significant difference but to get back to what you're saying yeah it's, it's the same sort of formula where you have guys that are very, very good across the board, and it starts with that offensive line and also on the defensive line, and you can generate pressure with four. And once you can do that, then it really allows your secondary to do all kinds of things that make things tough on opposing quarterbacks. Look, they made Cooper Rush look like a backup last night. We saw the limitations of Cooper Rush, right? There are plays out there that that Prescott's going to make that Cooper Rush is just not going to do because he's a backup quarterback. And the thing that Cooper Rush did for weeks and weeks was manage the game well. And people talk about that like it's such a dirty thing. Well, you have to manage the game well to win it, right? You got to get in and out of the right plays. You have to deliver the ball on time and on target. And when you're able to do that and you're able to stay ahead and the defense is playing as well as it has, that's why the backup quarterback can win games. But when you get off to a slower start and the Eagles are able to generate pressure and then they're able to generate takeaways, then that's where you see the limitations of having a backup quarterback playing there. It's not going to be the same as having Dak Prescott in there and saying, okay, Dak, you bring us back. You make sure that we're going to be in a good position to win. It's just one of those things he's not really going to be able to do with Cooper Rush. Well, and when you are a team that is trying to continue to win games with a backup quarterback, you have to minimize mistakes. And we saw the mistakes conspire and combine to put the Cowboys in that 20 to nothing hole. We saw the Dante Fowler offside on fourth and short inside the 10 the interception by Cooper Rush on the next drive. And then that moment, that weird, inexplicable moment where C.D. Lamb dives for a first down and everybody thought he had gotten past the marker mm-hmm. before his elbow or his knees struck. And his elbow and forearm landed on the ground before his knees. But at that point, the ball looked to be far enough for the first down. And the Cowboys rushed to the line to call the fourth down play. They seemed discombobulated. They had no inclination, no indication that they were going to actually challenge the ruling on the field, the spot of the ball. And rarely 
can you reliably challenge a spot? Because usually it's a cluster of bodies and you've got different frames of reference and what kind of view are we going to have? But it's almost like it didn't even hit Mike McCarthy's radar screen. It's like he wanted to rush to the next play so he wouldn't have to go through the mental gymnastics of considering, should I exercise my prerogative to challenge this? I don't even want to make that decision, so let's just move on to the next play. The whole thing... And look, when you go back to a game, you pick out five, six moments that come together to influence the outcome. But that, that, and they're lucky it was only a touchdown, a field goal, excuse me, not a touchdown that came out of that when they handed the ball to the Eagles at the Dallas 35. But that was just weird. That was just one of those weird moments. And I think that's what made it so stunning that the Cowboys found a way out of this hole that they deliberately dug for themselves with a big-ass shovel. And that <laughs> moment was, was indicative. They were, like, determined to lose the game. And I think that's what made it so jarring to me when they finally wake up and start scoring points and get it down to three. And it makes it more impressive to me that the Eagles were able to pull the pendulum back in their favor when the momentum had completely gone to Dallas after Dallas had done everything they could to just say, here, Philadelphia, we think, you know, you should you should win tonight because it's a better story if you win because you've had a great sports weekend in Philadelphia, yada, yada, yada. It just – it was – that was weird and and it all – seemed so weird because of the way that that moment was handled, where you throw the red challenge flag, you're getting your first down, you continue that drive, and maybe you know, maybe it's not 20 to nothing. Perhaps not. It was one of those moments where you think about processes, and it sort of was like, okay, the Cowboys had predetermined that if they had gotten to a certain spot, that they were going to go for it on fourth down. And when you do that, you want to get to the line because it keeps Philadelphia in that same personnel grouping, and you want to make sure that you can trying to catch the defense off guard a little bit. But when it's that close then there should be some sort of mechanism where somebody's like, hey, whoa, 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 like we should maybe challenge this because it really did look like Lamb had stretched the ball over that line to gain um, on that dive. So I understand what happened and why it happened, but yeah, you can see it right there. Look where his elbow is down. Look where the marker is at the yard line. I mean, it's right at the stripe, and you can see that the football is right at the stripe. So that obviously would have been somewhere where McCarthy could challenge, and then they could have gotten that first down, and who knows, maybe they have to punt after the next set of downs anyway. But it's still maybe one of those game-changing plays. You're right, Mike. There are sort of five, six moments that you can point to. That was definitely one of them. One of the things Sean Payton always says about replay review when you're the coach and you're the one that's got to make the call as to whether or not you're going to find the red flag. And as we know, as Jeff Fisher proved, sometimes it's not easy to find the red flag. But first you got to find it, then you got to throw it. Peyton says when it's clear Jeff and obvious. Jeff Fisher catching a stray. When it's true. Well, I got more. When it's truly clear and obvious, you're hearing all the voices in your headset of challenge it, challenge it, challenge it, challenge it. When it's close, it's crickets. Maybe that's right. the ultimate litmus test. They are the 50 drunks in a bar that Mike Holmgren once spoke of. They are the ones who fill the coach's ears with challenge, challenge, challenge. And my guess is Mike McCarthy was hearing crickets when he shouldn't have, that somebody yeah. should have seen, oh, yeah. man, 
C.D. Lamb got it, and they should have been screaming to Mike McCarthy, find that red flag and throw that red flag and extend the drive. So, again, you can never – I'm not going to say never. Sometimes something like that happens right at the end of the game, and it's much easier to say that's why. For something like that that happens in the first half, it's hard to say that's why, but it was just one of several things that helped the Cowboys find themselves down 20. They admirably turned it around. The Eagles – admirably held on here's Nick Sirianni after the game talking about his team's performance in their effort to get to 6-0 around any corner within every battle and with the dawn of each new day the threat of the unexpected the unpredictable and the unrelenting lies in wait but marines will always be there they are the constant in the chaos no matter the battlefield marines adapt to win Defeating every shifting threat. Protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. We got to play a complete game. Uh, we know we got to play a complete game. We, and, and what's exciting about being 6-0 and and not have played a complete game yet, in my opinion, um, and the players will tell you the same, is that you, there's only room to get better, right? And uh, that's our goal. And so, um, you know, if I felt it coming... Um, if I felt it coming, I'd do some, I'd try to do something about it. I'm not sure. I think every time we, we get ready to go for a drive, I'd look at the offense. I look at Jalen, and I look at AJ, and I look at Devontae, and I look at Dallas, and I look at that offensive line and Miles Sanders, and I'm like, we've we got a chance to go score right here, right, no matter, no matter what the situation. That's a heck of a defense right there. Uh, man, that's a really good defense. Parsons, Lawrence, uh, uh, Diggs, those are, those are prime time. They're, they're really good players, so they made it hard for us. Uh, um, but – you know, I, every time I have confidence going out there just because of who we got uh, in that huddle. It's funny. We hear that all the time. Team needs to play a complete game, needs to play a complete game. If, if that happened, the final score would be 53-10. to 10. Like, you don't yeah. have to play a complete game to win. I think what happens is coaches see how well a team can play. And you put a few drives together. You put a half together. You put a quarter together, and that's enough to ultimately win. But then you have to still sweat it out. I think every coach would love to get to a point where they're up 38-3 to late in the third quarter. They can empty the bench, and they can just relax, which, of course, makes that not a complete game because you deliberately take your foot off the gas pedal late. But that's where they're trying to get. It's perfect start to finish. There's no mistake. But it doesn't happen because – the other team always has a plan that directly conflicts with your plan, and you're not going to win every play, every drive, every moment. You're not going to play a complete game unless you're practicing against air. That's the only way you're going to play a complete game in the NFL. Okay. I mean, did you just explain how But I hear it every works? week. But we I hear mean, that every you, week. We like, want to play a complete yes. game. You're never going to play a complete game. So why are you trying? Just Frickin' take the win and don't whine what about not trying? playing a complete game. They're not whining about playing Every a complete week game. somebody's saying we just what are you need doing? to play a complete game. I don't understand why you why you're doing this. Because my, my high school football no, my high school football coach used to say this, and I think that this is what coaches are trying to say when they're talking about a complete game. You strive for perfection, and you know that perfection is impossible, but striving for it is not. That's why you strive for it. That's why you play the game. You don't play it to just play it. 
You play it so that you can right, execute Herm. at the highest level like that you possibly can. I didn't just, I didn't completely quote him. I didn't say you play to win, but you play, you do, but you play it so that you can do everything that you try to do. You want to completely execute your plan. And yeah, you don't want to have so many flaws. You know that things are going to happen. As players always say, those guys get paid too, right? As you just said, they have a plan and everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. But you have to be able to do what you can do to win. And if you talk about a complete game, yeah, you're, you want to keep guys motivated. You want to say, hey, we won, but there are still ways we can get better. Because if you don't get better, then you're going to end up like the Arizona Cardinals, where you start out 10-2 and two and you end up losing the division, and then you play a non-competitive playoff game to the Los Angeles Rams. You have to continue to elevate the bar every single week. And that's why they keep talking about complete games like this. So basically what you're saying is all this talk about playing a complete game is a con. It's a grift on the players it's not, to keep it's, them no, from getting it's soft. Not really a That's con. what you're telling me. You're telling me it's, it's a not. ruse to get guys to not get soft. I think there's a way to be realistic about the fact that you're not going to play a complete game and still strive for, for, for perfection on every snap. But apparently we have a philosophical difference. And that conversation is keeping us from having a complete show. So yeah. I'm just striving for a complete show. <laughs> All right. Uh, are you? No. The Cowboys are now four and two. They're third place in the NFC East, thanks to the New York football giants, who are five and one. Although the Cowboys do hold the head-to-head tiebreaker, they will play again on Thanksgiving, and that promises to be a great game between those two teams. Cooper Rush's win streak comes to an end. Dak Prescott says he plans to play on Sunday against the Lions. And I was saying all along, you know what? If you can ride this out to the bye week, and then you have Dak for when you go to Green Bay. That's your best-case scenario. Now that they've lost a game, if Dak truly is ready to go, you get a couple of games to work him in against teams they should be able to beat, like the Lions and the Bears, and then they get their bye week, and then they go to Green Bay and Minnesota. They've got this weird tour of the NFC North coming up where they've got Lions-Bears at home, then at Packers and at Vikings before they have the Thanksgiving game against the Giants. So you knock off some rust, you get Dak Prescott, ready, and then you've got three games after the bye that are going to be very critical to what the Cowboys are trying to do at Green Bay, at Minnesota, and then the Giants come to town. Yeah, it it is a really big stretch for them, and I think you're right about kind of easing him back in there, and we'll see what the Lions are going to look like after their bye week. I mean, they have a lot of adjustments that they obviously need to make on defense. But if you are Dak Prescott and you are the Dallas Cowboys, it's probably pretty nice to go in and you are going to face a unit that has really not been very good defensively in the Detroit Lions. I mean, you talk about easing a guy back in there. That's like, that's a game where you can maybe get yourself right. So it's going to be interesting to see how Dak Prescott looks with this offense and what it does to have your quarterback return. And how that can open things up a little bit more for guys like Gallup, for guys like CD lamb. I mean, we don't necessarily know just how good this Dallas Cowboys offense can be because the only time we really saw it was in week one, right? And even then, I mean, they're going against the Bucks defense that played extremely well in that game. So now as we see them come back and they're going to be facing a little bit lesser units, we'll see really where the Dallas Cowboys are. But I mean, I think that they should end up being one of the top teams in the NFC, but they may not actually end up being that just because of the way divisions work 
right? You win your division, then you host the playoff game. That The Dallas Cowboys might end up actually being one of the, I don't know, two or three best teams in the NFC when it comes to record, but they might not host a playoff game because they might not be as good as the Eagles. So that could be really interesting. What's amazing is we've gone through this stretch of several years now where the only team in the NFC East that was going to the playoffs was the team that just happened to be the best of four bad teams. Now we're looking at two, maybe three teams that will come out of the NFC East. I mean, you look around the rest of the NFC, right now it would be three playoff teams from that division. And maybe it will stay that way, even as – those teams in that division continue to cannibalize as they play each other, and there will be another Cowboys-Eagles game. There will be another Cowboys-Giants game, and there are still two Eagles-Giants games to come as the season moves forward. Let's flip over to what was the game of the day, even if it didn't fringe upon the viewership of Football Night in America. How dare you, Bills and Chiefs. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be a 38 to five barn burner. And I get spoiled by these college games that have the ridiculous high scores. And then I see these NFL games and I was looking at the wall of monitors yesterday as the games were being played. And it's like, I wonder if there's somebody out there who has just bet the under on every NFL game played this year and has all told made a gigantic pile of money because it just feels like these NFL games do not have the scoring that the NFL covets. And I don't know what the issue is. Sims would say offensive line play is struggling in comparison to the great defensive lines, and that's what's causing this. But to see Bill's Chiefs, a game that we were hoping, I know I was hoping, would be one of those great college scores of 41-38 or 38-35, maybe even 44-41. Who knows? It comes in at 24-20 as the Bills and the Chiefs in what we all hope will be round one, this year and that they'll meet again in the postseason the bills do what they did last year they go into kansas city and get the win it didn't help the bills secure home field advantage for the rematch that's the goal this year they've got the one game lead in the standings plus the tiebreaker the bills want this game if it happens again to happen in western new york uh as well they should you know i I got some uh friends from buffalo and he was saying yesterday, man, you know, if that AFC title game gets to be in Buffalo this year, and you got people who are going to be at a house and home probably to try and get those tickets. But yeah, you know what? I, I, I like what the Bills have done in order to try to get past the Chiefs. And we saw it really come to fruition yesterday. Von Miller was the X factor in that game. And I, you know what? I did not think that Von Miller was going to be as good as he has been just based on not playing next to Aaron Donald. And remember, it's been a little while since we've seen Von Miller really be Von Miller because he didn't really play in uh, the 2020 season. So now you get to see what he's doing with the Buffalo Bills and you feel him on practically every single play, especially in the fourth quarter. I mean, we're looking at what he's doing right there and that's the game ending essentially interception. And you see how he influences and affects pretty much every single play. Only four tackles in that game, but two were tackles for loss. And he also had two sacks. Von Miller is doing exactly what the Buffalo Bills needed him to do. And that's helped him get past the Chiefs. And you make a great point because it was starting to feel like the sun was setting on Von Miller's career. 
that mm-hmm. he had reached this pinnacle. And I remember before a training camp three or four years ago, Peter King was talking to Vaughn Miller about maybe catching Bruce Smith for the all-time official sack record for a career and that he was tracking that way. He had the injury that wiped out most of 2020. Last year, there was a sense he wasn't the same guy in Denver. The trade to the Rams, it wasn't like, hey, they're getting LT in his prime. And he got better as the season unfolded. And we thought it was because of the presence of Aaron Donald that was sparking this Von Miller rebirth. And then he's a free agent. Anybody could have signed him. There was chatter. Maybe he goes back to Denver. He wanted to stay with the Rams. The Bills do the thing, Miles, that that they didn't do last year, and they could have done last year. They could have gone after Von Miller when he was available in trade. They could have signed OBJ when he became available. And if they had made those moves, maybe they had already won the Super Bowl by now. But they made that bold and brash statement. They went after Von Miller, overpaid for Von Miller, and they're still getting plenty of toothpaste in the toothpaste holder. And Von Miller is paying off for the Bills. And so far, so far, again, we know last year beating the Chiefs in the regular season ultimately meant nothing for the Bills' broader goals and aspirations to have a complete season. They don't want just a complete game. They want a complete season in Buffalo. But this one is far better than the alternative of losing. And now they just have to continue to compile enough wins so they're the one seed or close enough to it, higher on the playoff tree than the Chiefs, whatever that may take, and then the Chiefs have to come there. Hopefully we get the rematch. I still continue to be concerned that one of those teams is going to lose in the divisional round because they're thinking ahead to the next game. I hope that doesn't happen because we, we, we deserve, we all deserve to see. And I know Jets fans and Ravens fans and fans of other teams that are in the mix are, are going to get pissy about that. It's like, hey, what about us? We still kind of all want to see Bills Chiefs. And deep down, those fans probably want to see Bills Chiefs again, too. I mean, I, I don't know if that's really true, Mike. I mean, if your team gets eliminated and they're not in the playoffs, then it's kind of like, okay, fine. But you know, I don't know why you're, you're saying that Baltimore people want to see Kansas City and Buffalo when they've got a quarterback who's won an MVP, but now they keep blowing fourth quarter leads, so... I mean, you know, what are you what are you saying about the Bengals? Why would they want to see Josh? Well, I'm just Allen saying deep down, Mahomes? we deep down as fans of no, the game, don't. as fans of the game, we'd like to see that. Obviously, you want your team to make it as far as they can, but deep down, yeah. we want to see Bills Chiefs. We want to see you Bills do. Chiefs. Yeah, I do. We do. I do. I certainly do because I think it's great for us, especially uh, as people who uh, make a living covering football. But I would not say the same thing if I were a big Ravens fan or if I were a big Cincinnati fan or if I'm, you know, a big team. If if I'm I'm fans of those teams right now, I'm not thinking about who I'm playing in the playoffs. I'm just wondering where the hell I'm even going to get there. Yeah, we're just trying to win a game. Playoffs. Yeah, but exactly. Exactly. You go from Herm to Jim Mora, the elder. Just don't go Denny Green and start dropping the BS bomb or Jerry Burns. Please don't go Jerry Burns. Please. I like my job enough. I like my job too much to be Jerry Burns this morning. Let's you do that. Schnelker. Let's hear Jerry Burns talking about Schnelker. Let's cue up that video. We'd have to bleep every other word. All right. Anyway, back to the Bills and the yeah. Chiefs. Um, as I said earlier, it wasn't the shootout we thought we were going to get, but it came down to which quarterback can make the big throw in the big spot. And that that throw from Josh Allen, and we were watching this in the studio, the moment he does the little thing with his hand, 
It exudes a confidence to me. As soon as he let go of the ball, I said touchdown. I had no idea where it was going. I had no idea whether or not the receiver was going to hold up his end of the bargain. But sometimes there's just so much confidence that is being exuded from the quarterback that you know that that ball is going to a guy who is going to catch it. He does the little thing there. It's it's like that's a touchdown, and there it is. And Dawson Knox makes a great catch because that thing was a laser. You know, you got to get yeah. used to catching that thing that is coming in 100 miles an hour. But uh, great throw, great catch, great outcome. And then they still had to hold, as we already showed, the interception that slammed the door on the Chiefs. But Josh Allen is special. Patrick Mahomes is special. As Sim says all the time, they are clearly the best two quarterbacks in football. I don't know who number three is, and I don't care. Those two are the top two. Yeah, I I would certainly agree with you on that. And and when you have those two quarterbacks and they play at such a high level so consistently – we're we're a little spoiled, I think, to see those two guys. I mean, it basically is the new Manning Brady, right? What's what I grew up watching, and that's what we saw for about a decade there in the AFC. And now we have these two guys, and you just hope that they can play for as long as they possibly can, and we can continue to see them at the top of their game for as long as we possibly can. But I, I thought another really big factor in that game was Stefan Diggs. And we see he had 10 receptions, 148 yards with a touchdown. In that game that they had in the divisional round, the Chiefs really, really shut him down. I think he only had three receptions, something like that. He had like 10, 15 yards. Not really a big factor in the game at all. But this is one of the best receivers in football. For my money, he is the best receiver in football. And when you can get him involved like they did, and when you don't allow the Chiefs to take him away as they did, I mean, that tells you a lot about where the Bills are as an offense. And I really, really love just seeing things like this, where he's one-on-one and Josh Allen says, hey, man, I'm going to you. This is my matchup. I'm going to you. And the Chiefs had injuries in the secondary, and they weren't playing at full strength on defense. But you still have to execute those plays. It's good to see Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs continue that great connection that they have. Well, and, you know, the flip side is when you do everything you can to erase Stephon Diggs in the playoff game and Gabriel Davis scores four touchdowns, you need to reevaluate your life choices as a defense. (laughs) So they had to balance out the coverage a little bit this time. You can't, and that's the the beauty of having two great receivers. If you do everything you can to take away one, the other one is going to get you. And and credit to Stephon Diggs, there was never any complaining from him. There were never any, oh, you know, the game would have been different. We would have won if it would have thrown the ball to me more. Some days you just realize I'm consciously and deliberately being taken out and I need to stand down and let somebody else do their thing. So... Uh, true alpha knows when it's time to concede Dan Campbell that's true that's true uh so the Bills not conceding anything yet and uh we'll see it's been a long time since they've been to a Super Bowl it's been an even longer time since they've won one because they never have they're one of those 0-4 teams they and the Vikings like which one is ever going to get back there and when wouldn't that be something if they met this year in the Super Bowl I don't think the Vikings have any chance of holding up that end of it even though they are Five and one. Oh, like the save Buffalo that Bills. clip, we'll control room. That. We'll save that, that clip. Hey, I hope. Oh, I the the ten year old boy in me hopes to have to eat the, those words at <laughs> uh, some sure. point. Although, I my my son is far more committed to the purple cause now than than I am, and he's as he's as dedicated as I ever was. And it's like poor kids just setting himself up <laughs> for a lifetime of disappointment. All right. Uh, 
So I'm, I'm looking at the time. We're actually ahead of schedule. Let's go ahead and take a break because there's still plenty more to talk about. And we've already talked about Monday Night Football. We've already checked that box with the Monday know, Night yeah. Preview presented by Elmer's Glue. Let's take a break. When we return, these are happy times in the greater New York area because for a change, both teams aren't ass. Both teams are the opposite of ass. The Jets and the Giants both win. We'll talk about their victories. Say it, don't spray it, Tommy, when PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel, continues right after this. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.